Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I'm jealous. Oh yeah? Why don't you tell me? Why? Yeah, I'm jealous because you're in Cape Cod eating all the good stuff and I'm in Nashville where it's blazing hot. Yeah, it's actually, it's in the 60s and 70s here. The weather is incredible. uh, The heat index today is 100. I'm sorry. In Nashville. I am. And I don't have lobster rolls and, you know, salty air to, to soothe my soul. That hashtag, sorry, not sorry, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know you yeah. are. So yeah. I hope you're having a great vacation, though. It's well-deserved. Thank you. Very, It's very nice. It's some good time with extended family. And uh, we've been celebrating. This year is my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. It's later well, this year. But that's what, them. Yeah, that's what we're celebrating this week. That's so fantastic. this is where they wanted to come, and I am grateful for that because it is a beautiful place up here in Massachusetts, and yes, lots of lobster. Yeah, that's that's real nice. And, and you're going to catch a Cape Cod baseball league game, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. Maybe even two. Um, the town we are staying in has a Cape Cod baseball league game tonight, but Mary wants to go to one in Yarmouth earlier, like a five o'clock game, because her favorite Clemson baseball player is playing for Yarmouth this summer. So Well that's cool. We, yeah, so we may catch two tonight. And um we uh we've spent uh, visited some islands this week and then uh last night so get this, first time in my life to go to a drive in movie. Never been to one. And I saw How, how is this possible? I don't that is know. Like the, uh, you you could knock me over with a feather right now. I'm shocked. I don't know. Uh, but it, I can now check it off my bucket list. I saw Toy Story 4 at the Wellfleet drive-in last night. So it's been a really fun week. I, I do have one question. You're up in Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, that area. I know you went yes. there. Is there a Mary Jo Kopechny Memorial anywhere up there? Actually, you know, I don't know. We we were over in Edgartown, which is right next to Chappaquiddick, but we did not uh, head over that way. So I'm not I'm not sure. I wanted to get to Vineyard Haven. So here's a here's kind of a fun memory. I've been to Martha's Vineyard once, uh, and that was 21 years ago this summer. I was a youth intern. Now, this is before I was SBC, so it wasn't a Southern Baptist church, but I was a youth ministry intern working with uh, girls at a church in Charlotte, and we did a sort of a retreat up here and spent a week on a this ship that was completely, it's a tall ship, completely powered by sails off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. And you had uh, a youth retreat on a ship off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. That's correct. So this, I got, I, I was very fortunate. So this church, what the, what they did with the youth group is that uh, because it was a pricey trip and there were like 30 you spots. Think? Yeah. And there were 30 spots for the kids. And, so they only did it every three years. It was for 10th through 12th graders. They did it every three years and they had opportunities for the kids to raise money and things. And so because it was 10th through 12th grade, it allowed the kids in the youth group to have an opportunity to do it once, you know, to just depending yeah, on which grade sense. they're in. I just happened to be an intern the right summer because it was only every three years. And uh, so we came up here, came up to Vineyard Haven, and then got on the ship and spent a week just sailing around in Vineyard Sound. 
And there's a, a really popular restaurant up here and kind of a popular brand stores up and down the coast called the Black Dog. It's from the Black Dog Tavern. And the owner of the Black Dog Tavern is the owner of the ship. He was the captain. So it was really fun yesterday to, uh, so it was really fun this week to go back to Vineyard Haven. We ate at the Black Dog Tavern, best clam chowder I've ever had in my life. And I got to have it again and, um, go and talk to the folks at the, the place, talk to the captain's son who was on the ship with us all those years ago and, and kind of stand there in the, in the harbor. It was a, it was a real treat, but we got to see some other cool spots on the island as well. Not Chappaquiddick though. Oh, all right. Well, I'm glad you've had a good week off and, uh, and you know, kind of the news took a little bit of a week off. We got a few stories to talk about this week, but not a whole lot of news. So what we've done this week is we're going to add an interview that we hosted at the CP stage in Birmingham just a couple weeks ago. And we have Dr. Jamie Dew and Dr. Adam Greenway, our two newest seminary presidents. We, we hosted them for an interview talking about higher education, seminary education in the SBC and their individual seminaries at New Orleans and Southwestern, respectively. We'll have that in the show today as well. So uh, it's a, a full show, even though we don't have a lot of news, because we have a, a great interview with two of our brand new seminary presidents. Very cool. All right. Speaking of seminaries, Amy, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting SBTS. Edu. We've got a little bit more information about them in the show later today. They, a couple of faculty hires at Southern, some big hires up there, uh, adding to the faculty in Louisville. So uh, we'll get to that at the end. But, uh, Amy, we start again, unfortunately, with a couple of cases of sexual abuse in the SBC that came to light this week. Yeah, so first of all, I think we need to recognize this really does show us that what we did in Birmingham was the beginning of how we're going to handle things. It wasn't, hey, we've got this settled and now we can move on. Um, I think what we were hoping for was something that was almost permeating the culture at every level in the SBC, local church, local association, state convention, everyone being vigilant. But what, what will happen in that is I think we're going to learn more and hopefully learn it quickly because it means that people will be reporting. And that has happened. So we have three incidents this week to discuss, uh, one out of Texas, one out of Louisiana, and one in Arizona. Uh, we start in Louisiana, just outside of Lake Charles, where Bellevue Baptist Church pastor John Michael Ward was arrested on 10 counts of first-degree rape, 40 counts of indecent behavior with the juvenile, and two counts of child pornography. And uh, we have two links in the show notes for today for more information on those over to Houston, Amy. Yeah. So this was one that hit last week and was a former pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Harris County that has been charged with abuse involving a teenage relative. Uh, so this was with Grace Family Baptist Church in Cypress Station. He had uh, he had resigned. Stephen Bratton is his name. He had resigned last month, but he was charged last Friday. The investigation began last month after he confessed to three Southern Baptist clergy members that he had abused the child, and his co-pastors met with the Harris County Sheriff's Office that same day. And uh, they thought he could be arrested that day, but the way that the Harris County 
sheriff's office handled it. They had an investigation that was going to take time. They made the church aware. They made the church aware as well as another church in the area immediately during Sunday services. So that was all handled a month ago, but the arrest just happened last week. Uh, and then finally, we had another story involving Lifeway, if you want to kind of give a an overview of that one, Jonathan. Yeah, Noah Paradis, a 19-year-old summer staffer at Century Kid Camp out at the Bison Ranch Retreat Center in Arizona, was arrested last week and charged with multiple felony counts of child molestation. Lifeway's acting CEO, Brad Wagner, commented in Baptist Press that our primary concern is the safety and well-being of all our camp participants. Uh, Lifeway is working with local law enforcement as the investigation is ongoing and will continue to follow their lead in the case. He said that we also want to come alongside the families and their church and walk with them through this ordeal. They've alerted the six churches that attended this camp about the events that took place and included information that would enable them to report any additional incidents. So uh, that came to light, I think, last Thursday, and that was immediately reported. So uh, we've been responding quickly on this and uh, working with local and state law enforcement officers out there in Arizona. So one thing this tells me, and just kind of an observation over the last several months, culminating with some of the actions that the Southern Baptist Convention took last week, if there's one thing that people can really take away, sort of the first thing, number one, out of the blocks, report, report, report. Um, and so I think that's what we are seeing. And we need to prepare ourselves because now that we are are pushing that, pushing people to report, that means we are going to learn more things uh, that some of us never just could not even imagine. And that's going to be difficult, but it is the right thing to do. I do want to point out that Dr. Wagner also kind of gave some more information about safety at the camps because we've had a lot of questions about that. But Lifeway does conduct both reference and criminal background checks for all seasonal and full-time staff at its camps and all staff are required to take sexual abuse training. Churches that attend camp certify that all adult volunteers and chaperones have passed background checks, and Lifeway also engages an independent expert on abuse and reporting that all camp leaders can contact for additional support and direction. So there's a lot of safeguards in place, but sometimes safeguards just aren't enough you know, at, at times, unfortunately. that That is the sad thing about it. Right, and that's where this re- reminds us that Background checks are not the only answer, that it's prevention on the front end and care on the back end. And uh, so we have to be ready and prepared to handle every single step. And also, we're going to put a couple links in here, churchcares.com. Again, if your church has not signed up for this free curriculum and video-based training for your church to help in awareness and prevention of sexual abuse in the church, uh, please do so, churchcares.com. I'm also going to put a link into a article that I dropped at Facts and Trends this week where we listed all the mandatory reporting laws, like all these statutes, the reporting laws, everything dealing with sexual abuse in every state plus Washington, D.C. So it's an appendix in the Church Cares book, but we took it and put it in a blog post. So you can either print it out or you can bookmark that so you have that information. So it's accurate as of, you know, recently. But I do think that everybody needs to be aware of the laws in their particular state. So I've got the Tennessee laws here just in case we need them. Beth's got them too. So uh, we're we're set here, and uh, Amy, you can get the North Carolina ones at that link as well. Absolutely. All right, to the seminaries, Amy, some news from your neck of the woods. Big announcement, really, from New Orleans Seminary, but it certainly affects Southeastern. Downstairs, just underneath your office. Right. 
So New Orleans named Larry Lyon as vice president of enrollment beginning July 1, which this is exciting news. It's exciting news for New Orleans, exciting news for Dr. Lyon and his family, but of course sad for many of us. He has been the director of enrollment at Southeastern for eight years, and uh, we have had record enrollment every year of his time. I mean, he has just kind of gone up, up, up. He does an incredible job. No pressure job. for the next guy. I know, right? He has. <laughs> uh, he, he's a, a great leader. I have learned so much watching how he leads that team. Then I have just learned from his knowledge and expertise in the areas of recruiting and how our teams work together. So I will miss him greatly. He is also my Sunday school teacher. So yeah, so our our families are at the same church together and we will miss them greatly. His wife, Stephanie, has been the women's ministry leader in our church. It's time for you and Keith to step up. Yeah, well, uh, our kids are our friends. And so this will, this is a bittersweet time, but what a great opportunity for Larry. And he will do a phenomenal job at New Orleans Seminary. So totally understand why Dr. Dew and the trustees would want to go in that direction. Uh, so big news from New Orleans. Yeah. And speaking of Dr. Dew, he left Southeastern. So that created an opening at the college at Southeastern. And we have a new dean. That's correct. So Scott Pace has been named the dean of the college at Southeastern. We actually announced that last Monday, right as we were going into the SBC. Uh, So it was a great opportunity to just kind of talk about what was going on at the college. But Dr. Pace has been at Southeastern for a year and was at Oklahoma Baptist University for several years before that. Uh, But he's a graduate of Southeastern. He holds the Johnny Hunt Chair of Biblical Preaching, and uh, he's also an Associate Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Preaching. He's been serving as Director of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. So we're having some musical chairs at Southeastern because now that he's the dean of the college at Southeastern, we have also announced Ron Jour Locke as the new director of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. And uh, Ron Jour Locke has been at Southeastern for about a year and a half. Uh, he teaches preaching and urban ministry. Used to He was pastor at First Baptist Church in Brooklyn, which is in Baltimore, Maryland. Has an incredible family, really dedicated to the campus. So he's going to lead the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. Yeah, and he got to sit next to me at the SBC annual meeting last week. Nice. But so then he you didn't got... even introduce himself. So I, oh, I, like, man. I, I saw him sitting over there, but I mean... Right. We never talked. It was like the day this was announced. And I was like, dude, big news. And you don't even say anything. So, well, that's he's a very humble person. He's a good and, guy. Uh, yeah, just a great guy. Have you met his wife, Annie? I, I have not, Amy. Okay. So, Annie, here here's what I, I think of her. First of all, she is an incredibly friendly person and just exudes love but she she served Southeastern so much that the week that they were at Southeastern to visit, you know, over a year and a half ago, just considering coming, she was actually out on campus. I found her recruiting students, like walking up to people. She was she, she shared the gospel with someone who happened to be on our campus and then took them to a person who could give them more information about churches in the area. And then she was over talking to prospective students and recruiting them. And this was before it was settled that they were going to come. So out of the blocks, she uh, just has a, a servant's That's heart. That's amazing. 
Yeah, she's really incredible. And they have four kids, and they're, they have this huge amount of musical talent. I'll try to find, there's a video of their kids when uh, after chapel one day, and it's phenomenal what these kids are able to do, just playing by ear, lots of instruments and stuff. So very cool family. But we are excited about Scott Pace, also heads up the Hunt Scholars Program, so he's been contributing a lot in that area. We're very excited to have him as Dean and Ron Jorlock as Director of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. On to Louisville, where they have a couple of new faculty hires as well. Theologian and worship pastor Matthew Westerholm is joining the Southern Seminary faculty as an Associate Professor of Church Music and Worship in the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry. He's been the worship leader at the downtown campus of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis the past five years. You you may recognize that church name, Amy. And he's also uh, previously held the titles of Assistant Professor of Music and Worship at Bethlehem College and directed the Worship Arts Program at Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Also joining the faculty at Southern will be Matthew Haste as Associate Professor of Biblical Spirituality and the Director of the Professional Doctoral Studies at Southern Seminary. The Professional Doctoral Studies have grown by a combined 42% in the last three years. So they have seen a huge increase in these professional doctoral programs. Those are the the D-men, the D-ed men uh, programs. And uh, so he is going to go to Southern and lead those. He comes to Southern from Columbia International University, where he helped launch a five-year combined Bachelor of Arts and Master's of Divinity program, kind of like the Hunt Scholars program you were talking about just a minute ago. And I know they have that at uh, Boyce and Southern as well. A lot of our seminaries have those combo programs now. So Yes. Uh, but congratulations to Southern Seminary on their new faculty hire. So a lot of faculty swapping going on around here. And somebody asked me on Twitter this week if, if this is normal. It's It's kind of normal. But right. it, I think it's exacerbated a little bit this year because we have new administrations at a couple of our seminaries. Right. So there's a little bit more transition than usual. So, And I think it's also some higher profile moves as well. So we're seeing a lot of deans and vice presidents and yes. those kind of things. Yeah. So that's a good point that you make. This is the time of year for it because June 1, July 1, August 1, that's typically when people are going to start in their position because they're they're starting for the fall semester. So this is the time for these announcements. That's not strange. But I think you're right with new administrations at two of our seminaries. It just means that maybe there are some more changes that are happening and then what will happen is if someone goes to those one of those schools, then there are spots that open up and and so things get kind of moved around. Yeah, the dominoes play. Right. All right, um, final news note before we get to our interview today. K. Marshall Williams received the Oklahoma Baptist University Herschel Hobbs Denominational Service Award uh, during the annual meeting last week. There was a story in Baptist Press about that. Many of you probably know K. Marshall. If not, you may have seen the nomination speech for J.D. Greer last week. Uh, I, I vote that K. Marshall does all the nomination speeches from here on, Amy. That was pretty good. It was pretty amazing. So congratulations to K. Marshall Williams, a good friend of ours. Uh, both uh, Amy and I know him and have uh, he has just celebrated his 35th year at Nazarene Baptist Church up there in Philadelphia. So congratulations to Kay Marshall on the Herschel H. Hobbs Award for Distinguished Denominational Service. A couple of things that we missed on our recap episode, Amy. I do want to hit this before we get to our interview. Congratulations to Kelly King, good friend of the pod, on yes. being named the Alumna of the Year at Gateway. Very deserving. 
Yes, very deserving. My boss, Brad Wagner, was awarded one of the alumni awards at Southwestern at the lunch I went to. I think uh, Jimmy Scroggins got one at the Southern Seminary luncheon. He's uh, our chairman of the board. So we did want to just uh, recap some of those, some congratulations to some friends of the pod, tie up some loose ends. Also, there were some great stories this week. If you didn't catch the women's events at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, there was a story on the women and work event that Courtney Moore put on. There was one on the Minister Wives Lunch and, and some different things. Donna Gaines was recognized at that. I saw that. So uh, some some great stories about that. So be sure to check out those links at Baptist Press as well. All right, on to our interview with Dr. Jamie Dew and Dr. Adam Greenway. The mission of our theological seminaries is that they exist to prepare God-called men and women for vocational service. Both of you are uh, very familiar with that. And there's a lot of cooperation that goes along in that. But how do New Orleans and Southwestern help fulfill that mission of training and raising up the next generation of vocational ministers? Uh, Dr. Dew? Yeah, I think so. The, the rather straightforward, obvious ways of doing that is that we're, we're brought into existence by the Southern Baptist Convention to train people for gospel ministry that the Southern Baptist Convention sends to us. And I think that that includes all levels. That's the undergrad level, that's the master's level, that's the doctoral level. And it's really to prepare them for gospel ministry across the board, whether that's being pastors, being missionaries, even going into academic ministry. Those are all the types of things that fall under our purview for from our charter to train them and so we all participate in that and then i think we all sort of collectively serve the southern baptist convention given some unique nuances or specializations that we have as well that really fill out the body of christ and what we can do dr Green, anything to add yeah similar similar fashion i mean in a sense it's what the southern baptist convention of churches has given us the assignment to do that's the first uh task for us is the training of leaders for southern baptist churches and each of our seminaries has a little different history in terms of how we came into being and how we do that, particularly in terms of geography and historical setting. But uh, at the end of the day, our responsibility is we do not call ministers. We do not credential ministers. We receive those who come from the churches to us, and we desire to send them back more faithfully to uh, the churches from which they came. Now, you mentioned the call, uh, that, that seminaries don't call ministers. God calls ministers. Churches send them to you. Mm-hmm. What are some ways, practical ways, I guess, pastors could do that, identifying those potential ministers for future vocational service? Honestly, I think a lot of it starts with the pastor publicly challenging his congregation to have people consider, is God calling you? At some level, all of us are in ministry. I hope we understand that the New Testament doctrine of the priesthood of all believers says we're all ministers, we're all uh, equipped to serve the Lord, but there are those whom God calls into full-time or vocational uh, Christian service, But I don't know if our pastors today are doing as much to forthrightly challenge people to consider, is God calling you to ministry, to missions, to full-time church uh, service, as it were? Um, And then, frankly, I think even in individual conversations, when God sees, when when the pastor sees uh, God working in somebody's life, is he willing to have that conversation with somebody to say, have you ever considered Christian ministry? Yeah. Now, uh, for you on that, the undergrad, you mentioned the undergraduate. How do you, where does that fit in with that, that calling? Yeah, so I think it fits in. A lot of students, when they're in high school, or middle school even perhaps, that's a time in their life where God may very well be doing something unique and special in their life. And I mean, so for example, in my life, I came to faith, and I, I jokingly tell or point to the fact that of all the places in the world for a philosopher to get saved, I got saved at a centrifuge Christian camp 
on, during one summer. And it Lifeway, was, hashtag. It was as real. It had all of the hype and all of the fluffy stuff that we like to pick on and, and critique, but it was as real and as authentic as anything that I've ever experienced. And it was a very real encounter with God there. And it was also during that time that I began to sense that God was doing something in my life. Picking up on what Adams just said here, there was a, an environment then where people that were mentoring me were just very intentional about pointing to those things in my life. They're seeing God work in my life. They're seeing God's giftings in my life. And then they draw my attention to it. I, I think sometimes we, we forget the power of suggestion and we have to be very intentional about doing that. I think that's probably something that we had a much better habit and stronger habit of doing in previous generations than our current generations have, and we need to, re we need to recover that. All right, so you talked a little bit about our seminaries, what they do, and then even that there are some distinctives. Um, it's sort of unique, our structure. We don't have one big seminary with six campuses. We have six individual seminaries. They have you know, kind of different personalities, different flavors. How do, how can those six institutions cooperate together for the Southern Baptist Convention, for the churches, when they're also having to operate uniquely? Well, I think um, there are some things that we're very uh, committed to and intentional about, uh, and that's been seen even in the couple of days Dr. Dew and I have been together. There are meetings where the six seminary presidents are involved in conversations about our cooperative task in theological education. Uh, and has been, has been pointed out, uh, the six seminaries, each one is in the top 12 of accredited seminaries in North America in terms of enrollment and influence. Um, that's an extraordinary responsibility that has been given to us. And honestly, uh, sometimes I think the competition aspect can be overhyped, overplayed, um, it, it's a, it's a friendly rivalry. Uh, and especially again, as the two newest of the six, uh, presidents, I think, I don't want to speak for Dr. Dew, but even he and I've talked about just ways to where obviously, uh, we want both of our seminaries to thrive, but I don't think that Southwestern is going to be a lesser place if I'm recruiting a student and that student says, well, I really want to go study with Dr. Dew at New Orleans. I want to be part of the Dew crew there. Well, that, I think that's great at that point. Uh, and hopefully he would say the same thing about students coming to Texas. I think everybody's calling is unique and individualized enough to where our seminary may be a better fit with a particular degree program or particular emphasis or a faculty member with whom that person may want to study and, uh, and vice versa. I think um, the competition that we have should be what motivates us to get better, not to be bitter toward one another. And I do think Dr. Dew and I, certainly in our uh, new administrations respectively, want to try to model that kind of cooperative work together, at least in... Uh, our two seminaries' uh, efforts. Yeah, and you know, you go through a process like this, you, you begin to realize things and think things that maybe you've not really discovered or thought of before, but we were talking the other night, and I mentioned that, you know, for each of us, with this hand, we have to care deeply and passionately for our individual seminary and to labor for her and to strive for her. And then with this hand, we have to care just as much for the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole because we have been given a piece of this for the larger one. And I think when, when I think about the differences between the seminaries, you know, in our worst version of ourselves, we can turn those against each other and start attacking or critiquing or whatever else. But actually, I think if we understand 
understand the differences between us in terms of that biblical metaphor in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of the body of Christ. And I understand we're not individual churches, but we are an extension of it and a servant to the church. And when you look at the body of Christ, you have Paul saying things like the eye can't say to the nose, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. His whole point there is to say that this diversity amongst us actually serves the body and the mission of Christ better. And so this is the kind of stuff that ought to be celebrated. It ought to be the type of stuff that we encourage in each other. And I should have the freedom to say, you know, we don't have that program. You should go to Southwestern because they have a fantastic program there. Very nice. Dr. Greenway, you mentioned that our six seminaries are in the top 12 of accredited institutions. One thing that we see in the discussion about theological education is that many seminaries are shrinking. Like they're, they're struggling with enrollment and that is something that we are not really seeing across the board in the Southern Baptist world. Our seminaries seem to be growing. What do you think is happening here? Is this about people, more people being called to vocational ministry? Is this about more opportunities, degree programs? What, what, what do you attribute this growth to? I think it's a myriad of factors. Um, one is, I do think, uh, you know, conservative evangelicals, still the ones most likely to be engaging in uh, conversionist evangelism, in authentic disciple-making, and um, where we're going to see people who are being called into ministry uh, more proportionally. Now, again, we want to see more of that, uh, but I do think proportionally you're going to see more of that than you see in the mainline denominations where you're seeing decline and drift and, and the like. Um, I also think we're having the chance to expand our reach before, particularly through uh, online learning and distance education opportunities. There are people who now can do seminary at Southwestern or New Orleans who 30 years ago could not have unless they were able to pack up and move to New Orleans or Fort Worth. And so our student body is changing in terms of where they are and, and who they are. Uh, demographics are diversifying. And I think that's a healthy thing as we continue to see diversifying here in, uh, in North America. Um, I think also in some cases we're drawing some people from outside of our own tribes. I mean, both New Orleans and Southwestern have a number of non-Southern Baptist students who come to our seminaries because of our convictions, because of the strength of our faculty and our scholarship. Um, and so, again, you know, we're happy to receive those who want to come from other traditions, who want to study with our faculty. We're not any less authentically Southern Baptist than what we do, but we're drawing people who are looking for the kind of convictional theological education that they're going to find at a Southwestern or a New Orleans. Yeah, I think um, there are a myriad of factors as to why that's the case. I just mentioned two, one theological, one practical. Theologically speaking, a lot of those denominations or a lot of those seminaries you're talking about come from the main line that have gone full on into liberalism. And I'm not trying to be mean or ugly or anything. It's just a fact. A liberal theology is a non-inspiring theology. I mean, why sacrifice your life? Why labor so much? Why give yourself for something that eh, is so dinky and watered down? Look, we believe the gospel. We believe that this actually changes lives. We believe that Jesus Christ really does transform us, and therefore we're willing to go to the nations. And so I think that this is a, a blessing, not just of our two seminaries, but all of the Southern Baptist seminaries. We actually believe this stuff, and so therefore people are drawn to it. And I think that I think the liberal denominations are struggling because they're not selling anything inspiring. So that's the theological side. On the practical side, I think it's the cooperative program is a big factor. I mean, the fact of the matter of it is, you could go to my seminary or his seminary or one of the other four for in a way more cost-effective way than you could say Duke Divinity or University of Chicago. You're looking at a hundred grand to do that. And so the brilliance of the cooperative program is absolutely 
beautiful and essential, and it's something we got to keep going with. And can I just follow up on that since we are on the CP stage? It's important, and you'll hear this from Dr. Dew, yeah. myself, and my other four colleagues and counterparts. Every dollar that our seminaries receive through the generosity of Southern Baptist through the cooperative program is a dollar we do not have to pass on to our students in tuition charge. And so you're going to hear a word of gratitude and thankfulness and prayer for more uh, to come because every dollar that comes in is enabling us to more effectively train the pastors of your grandchildren if Jesus tarries. Now, Dr. Greenway, specifically talking about Southwestern, you laid out a, a vision as a big tent seminary with four pegs. Uh, how do those tent pegs provide a backdrop for theological education in the SBC? Well, the four pegs or four pillars, um, for me, simply articulate the historic vision of our seminary that goes back to B.H. Carroll, 1908, and really all the way back to the founding of theological education in Southern Baptist life in the 1800s. And those four pegs are a high view of Scripture. We are unapologetically committed to the inerrancy, the full authority and sufficiency of Scripture. The Bible is the key textbook in every class at Southwestern Seminary. The Baptist Faith and Message, we're a confessional seminary, and uh, we are unapologetically committed to all the great truths contained therein. The Baptist Faith and Message is our faith and message. The Great Commission, from the beginning, our seminary uh, was the first seminary, not just in the SBC, but in North America, to have a full-time professor of evangelism. And as somebody who is a PhD in evangelism, teaches evangelism, I resonate with, with that. And then cooperation. Uh, we're better together. And that's in the tone that we communicate toward others. But that's also recognizing that we cannot fulfill the Great Commission alone at Southwestern Seminary or at New Orleans Seminary or any individual church. That's why the convention model in Southern Baptist life, I believe, has been most effective. We have an assignment and a role to play, but, but it is interdependent with our other SBC entities and all of us serving local churches. So that's really the heart of, of, of who we are. We were founded by a pastor out of a local church who also was a committed uh, academician and theologian. And so from the beginning in Southwestern's history, that blending of what was called scholarship on fire I think has uh, uniquely characterized our seminary, and I'm just trying to use 2019 language to rearticulate the vision since 1908. All right, Dr. Dew, New Orleans Seminary just celebrated 100 years. So as you start looking into the next century for New Orleans, what uh, if you could share a little bit about what some of your vision is for the next 100 years? Sure. So when I think about the last 100 years, there's things that we want to keep, we want to retain, we want to continue doing. So just two things. Dr. Greenway's mentioned one of them, just being theologically conservative, the supremacy of Scripture and everything that we do and standing under the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, we are going to continue standing there where Baptists have stood and where we stand right now. Um, the other thing that, you know, a legacy that I'm inheriting here from Dr. Kelly is he has he has been one to stand at that school, in that city, and in this convention year after year, beating the drum of evangelism. And that's something that's got to continue at New Orleans and throughout the Southern Baptist Convention. So those are some things we're going to continue. As we think about, though, sort of a next wave, I think we've watched the culture change around us and our approach to ministry really have to radically change in this cultural milieu of the day, especially humility and servanthood, I think has to be essential to everything we do. And, you know, when I think about Southern Baptists, we have, look, there's so much that's good about us and there's so much worth fighting for. Um, God has used this convention in massive ways throughout history. 
but at times we can let some of our some of our strengths become our weaknesses. We can we are so strong with our protest, we're so strong with our activism that p- sometimes people only see that. Uh, what I want to do, I have a passion, uh, a vision to train up a generation of servants, men and women. Uh, from all age demographics that were really are defined and symbolized by the towel in the basin that Jesus had, that he would take up the towel in the basin and he'd wash their feet. Because if a Christian is anything, a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower goes where he goes. They do what he does. They love what he loves. They're about what he was about. And Christ was about serving people. You know, he says things like, for example, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so the Christian life, especially of gospel ministers, if it looks like anything, it ought to look like that. And so I care as much about the who of what we're going to be as the what of what we're going to be doing. Doesn't mean that the what of what we're doing is not going to be essential, but the who of what we are, who we are has got to be central. All right, real quick, we only got about a minute left. What is one way that the people watching at home, those here in the, the convention hall, that they can pray for you in your seminary? Real quick. Wisdom and uh, energy. I'll, I'll second that. Wisdom, energy, favor with God and man. All right. It was good to relive that. That was a really fun conversation that we had, and I thought they did a great job introducing themselves to Southern Baptists. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see what will come from both New Orleans Seminary and Southwestern Seminary in the days ahead. So I think great days are ahead for both of those institutions. And uh, once again, congratulate Dr. Dew and Dr. Greenway on their new posts at their respective seminaries. All right, that brings us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. So one thing I enjoy about this time of year is that when you dive into Baptist Press, you get a lot of recaps from SBC annual meetings when uh, from SBC annual meetings because that's what we're doing right now, so that's what they were doing then. And in 1972, I found a really fun story. In 1972, I found an interesting story from the SBC annual meeting in Philadelphia, and uh, it was from a robbery. So what happened was David Clanton from Dallas, he was staff photographer for the BGCT. He was there to operate the dark room for the SBC press room. So remember, this is in the time before there's no iPhones, there's no digital cameras, nothing like that. So they're all bringing their cameras, and then they had a dark room on site, apparently. So he's there. Not the same as the deep state room. I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway, so he's there, and he's got an expensive camera, and and it goes missing. So he starts to assume this has been stolen. And this is very interesting. He It says he put himself in the shoes of a criminal, and he thought maybe the person decided to hide the camera on the premises and then carry it out later. So I guess there were security guards and things like that. So his idea was the person maybe hid it and he was right. So he starts looking around hiding places. He found it wrapped in old rags amid debris uh, under a stairwell. So so first of all, hats off to David Clanton for figuring this out, being kind of his own private eye and finding the camera. So cameras recovered. He replaced it with a water bottle that was about the same size and shape. So he fills the bottle with water, I guess, to, you know, make it heavy. This is, you know, Dasani's not out then. So he, he has a bottle, he fills it with water, and then he wrote, thou shalt not steal on it. 
and wrapped it in the rags and left it. And Baptist Press did a story on it. I know. So he said he hopes the person who took the camera got the message. Uh, so if you're listening, David Clanton, hats off to you for figuring it out, getting to the bottom of that mystery, finding your camera, and then uh, kind of an interesting little move there at the end. But they were talking about it in their recap, just like our recap, this week in SBC history. That's wild. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, Amy. And that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the new kit by J.D. Greer, coincidentally titled Gospel Above All. So here's the cool thing about this, Amy. A lot of these kits, you know, it's just one author or whatever, and it's just their stuff or whatever. You know, we got the book by J.D. Greer as well, Above All, that's available. This is the kit, the, the Bible study that goes with it. But in the in the leader kit in the Bible study, J.D. Greer is joined by David Platt, Jen Wilkin, Vance Pittman, Walter Strickland, Rosaria Butterfield, Greg Laurie, Albert Muller, and Kevin Smith to examine what it means for believers to elevate the gospel above all other priorities in our lives and in our churches. So he's got other people on here with him in some conversations. So uh, those are all good friends of the pod, actually, as well. We've had a lot of those on the podcast here, uh, all but about two or three of them. Uh, we've had on the podcast. So I'm excited to dig into Gospel Above All by J.D. Greer. i got the kit right here on my desk. So uh, DVD kits. Uh, it has two DVDs, uh, the Bible study book, digital downloads, and extra leader resources. So there's a lot going on here. You can find out more at lifeway.com slash gospel above all. Amy, your resource of the week is? A new book out called Given by Tina. I hope I get the right name. I hope I pronounce this right. Tina Bosch. Okay. It, this sure. is yeah. Who has served for the IMB throughout the years? The subtitle is "The Forgotten Meaning and Practice of Blessing." So Tina has lived all over the world, served with the IMB for several years. I heard a lot about this book last week. It just got released by Nav Press, but saw a lot of chatter at the SBC about it. So I am eager to read this one. I have not heard of this one, so I will have to check it out. So. Yeah. I like that cover, though. That's really cool. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. She serves as an advocate for Baptist Global Response, so has done a lot of things around the world, and I think brings some of her uh, cross-cultural understandings and just wisdom to this, and I can't wait to, to read it, but I've already heard such good things that I'm ready to recommend it now. Yeah. She used to live in Central Asia, where she was a missionary, and now she lives in God's country. Louisiana. That's right. So, Amy, that's going to do it for our show this week. Next Friday, big Friday, don't forget, for Lifeway, as uh, I'll be at a special called meeting of the trustees as they consider a report from the presidential search team next Friday. So, ah, so I guess I'm, I'm guessing that we already have a top story for next week. Well, I, well, the, here's the problem. The meeting's on Friday and won't be done until like five in the afternoon. Oh. Podcast comes out before that usually. And we're going to have to record because I've got to drive down to Atlanta Friday morning. So I, we'll have maybe a, a candidate announcement for our top right. story next week. Right. But not the actual election. Not the but, yeah. but follow SBC this week because SBC this week will be live at this. <laughs> Apparently so. Only yeah. one of us. But Only one of the us. One, the one who runs the Twitter account. So. Yeah, that. So that's all that matters, I guess. So, yeah, that'll be going on. So, yeah, follow us and uh, we'll bring you updates to that, uh, you know, as well as the Lifeway channels and all that. So uh, we'll have a candidate announcement, I, I guess, before that. And we'll know who it is and be able to you know, see that online as well. So follow Excellent. us Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, 
and uh, you'll be able to kind of keep track of that. So thanks again for joining us this week. Amy, enjoy the rest of your vacation. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>